Step at Your Priorities, show number 12, is Mirrorless the Future. Welcome to the Aperture Priority Podcast, an Avila Studios production where it's all about photography and fun. Now open up that aperture and let some creative light in. show number 12 of Aperture Priority. And again, with me today, I have my friend, Mr. Joe Engelbert. Hello, Tony. Yeah, it's been a while. I, I've been stuck with projects in school and then I had the crud for a week. So <laughs> I was uh, struggling with that. Uh, sounds like my life. Projects with uh, photography and then the crud for a week. I ding. Yeah. Didn't go so well, but uh, I finally got my voice back and I thought we'd, we'd continue, you know, uh, kind of almost where we left off. We were on a roll, uh, but a lot has uh, happened since uh, the last time, you know, we had a show. You know, there's been so many announcements. Right. You know, Photokina is over for all the, the the great announcements they had of all these new mirrorless. Everybody's going mirrorless. Uh, but, but, and uh, we'll go over that a little bit more. There was a surprise there for me. And, uh, and uh, what else? Well, that and there's also been a great uh, new announcement, uh, the new iPad Pro with uh, and Adobe now has Photoshop that works on it. And I saw the keynote and that really intrigued me because I kind of see that as the future of working on your digital images. Right. On the fly. Literally. Yeah. And I was impressed with the keynote, the lady from Adobe, uh, she was working on a three gigabyte file. Really? Yeah. And uh, she was doing some edits and with the layers and everything. And she did something where they you add motion to it. I can't remember what it's called, but it's something. It's it's another app Adobe made. I see. Oh, okay. And part of their suite. Yeah. yeah. And I was really impressed. And when they said three gigabytes, I was like, wow. I mean, it was it was a heck of a uh, a photo. I guess you would call it a photo illustration. Uh, if you get it, if anybody gets a chance, they could see the keynote, and it's very interesting. Uh, and they're integrating it with their new pin and everything, so it's kind of. Uh, uh, I look at uh, Wacom, you know, that company that makes the pads. It's right. like, oh, competition, <laughs> competition. But that was neat. But let's get to a lot of the announcements that came from Photokina with these manufacturers. It's kind of going to lead into today's show. It, which the, the the subject is is mirrorless the future right and uh i was really quite surprised and the the, the company that surprised me was uh, panasonic announced the mirrorless camera that uh, came in late and unexpected didn't it yes and uh it, it looks like it's basically the same sensor as nikon's using in the c7 it, it almost looks they have two cameras coming out almost mirroring what Nikon has. Right. And they kind of, and they kind of jabbed Nikon. It has two card slots, you know. Right. Yeah, that's been the big thing for Nikon. They've been picking on them and, and deserve, they deserve it. But then Nikon, uh, Canon came out with one, with one, one, card. one slot. Right. So the, the giants in the business have one slot and all the yes. contenders have two slots. Yeah. So I, that was really, uh, that caught me by surprise, but the thing that uh, 
intrigued me at first, but then I looked at the price of the the Leica lenses. It looks like uh, like uh, uh, Panasonic is going with what's called the L mount, mm-hmm. right? And it looks like their uh, Sigma and Leica are in it, and they're trying to make like an alliance, almost like what they had in the Micro Four Thirds, where we have let's use this mount and make it the universal mount, right? And I think they got Sigma in it. I'm, I'm guessing to have a, uh, an alternative, more cost-effective uh, option because I price some of those Leica L mount lenses, and it's like, yeah, it's got the Leica price and I don't see if if you're going to go up against Canon and Nikon and Sony, which Sony is the 800 pound gorilla, uh, coming in with uh, some of these lenses, three to four thousand dollars, I don't see that as you know being a good strategy. But I'm going to be curious more w- when they do finally come out. What's their price point? That's an important consideration for uh, the mirrorless format, of course. And the big question is, uh, is, is that the future? Is, should we be dumping our DLSRs and yeah. migrating to mirrorless? And that's, that's a good question. Yeah. So, you know, because when you're going to change a system, if you can migrate your lenses over, which I think Nikon and Canon did a good job at making those adapters. Right. And, uh, okay, you could use your older glass. Now, the one thing the Nikon didn't do with their adapter, and there's probably a good reason, you can't use the autofocus, uh, the D lens, which were the uh, screw drive lenses. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, they got some flack for that. Now, they do make some great uh, screw mount lenses. Well, they're, they're older now. You can find them used. Right. The only thing is, and this has happened to me uh, this year, I killed two of my screw mount lenses. Oh, how'd you do that? I just wore them out. Oh, okay. They're just, they were older. I, to show, I don't abuse my, but I use it. And I think over time, the <laughs> autofocus just goes off. I mean, I just wore out probably the gears and all that on the inside. They right. were the early, uh, uh, of course, the, autofocus before Nikon started doing all the S, you know, they went to the G and uh, right, all right. that stuff. But I was surprised it was my 60 millimeter was the last one to go. I wore out my 50 millimeter earlier this year. And now my 60, which was the macro, which I used for quite a bit of things. So I was quite disappointed, but I, I just have to look at it. You've had this thing for 15 years and you've used it a lot and it wore out. So, for me to make the jump now, you know, all my other uh, majority of my Nikon lenses are manual focus, so it it doesn't matter which way you go, right, right, and and it doesn't really matter anymore which brand I would jump to, because with adapters, that's one of the the, the pluses of the uh, mirrorless systems. It's because the flange distance is uh, shorter; you can get an adapter. Exactly. And there are a lot of third-party adapters like the Metabones that can uh, cross-platform. Uh, nice nice feature. Yeah, and you could literally go on eBay, do a search, and for any type of lens you have, you will find an adapter for the camera that you'll be using. Right. So that is a kind of a nice feature. But 
the thing that's getting me, and I know that Nikon got flack for the Z7, which it's coming in at $3,396, so basically $3,400. Everybody thought that this was going to be the D850. Of of mirrorless. Right. Right. And maybe the sensor's close Mm -hmm. and everything, but no. They did not put the features of the D850 in there. So I I could see people being disappointed by that because the, the D850, even if you're not a Nikon person, if you look at that camera, it's just, it has features in everything that no other camera has. It's like the top of the pyramid for the DSLRs in the Nikon world. It, yeah. it is what the culmination of a lot of uh, work and you know, it's like a dream list. If photographer said, I wish I had a camera that did these things and the D850 does those things. Yeah. And it's almost become that's a standard for everybody else in the DSLR. That's what we have to beat. Right. So, and so I could see the kind of the letdown, the, the Z7. Now there's other, uh, I've been watching, you know, these guys on YouTube as they, you know, they get their hands on them and they test them. And, you know, there's been a lot of mixed reviews. But one of the things I did notice that uh, uh, Nikon has that, uh, oh, what's that? Uh, it's called SnapBridge. Mm-hmm. And you load it on your smartphone and you can control your camera. And it actually worked very well on the Z7. You could do everything controlling it, you know, focus points and everything right from your smartphone and even settings and all this stuff. So I thought, you know, that's kind of nice. I know it got some flack that it never worked that great on the DSLRs, but I don't know if it's something in the mirrorless that it's easier to control or maybe your DSLR would need live view to do the focus points. That's a good point. I I don't know the answer to that question, frankly, but, uh, yeah, SnapBridge had a, a reputation of being clunky and not so mm-hmm. not so good with the earlier DSLRs. So that's something I'd like to know more about myself. And it could be I, I can't remember if it works on Bluetooth or what kind of Wi-Fi. It, maybe they up, upgraded the upgraded Bluetooth, yeah. that on there, and hopefully, maybe it's something they could fix in firmware with their other cameras. But you know, l- looking at the specs of it, you know. The Nikon, to me, it's the one that could have been. Then when Canon came out with theirs, other than all the vloggers, it had the flippy screen. Mm -hmm. But then it records in a cropped 4K. Mm -hmm. So then it got flack for that. But it did some interesting things with their adapter uh, that could use the older EOS lenses. They have a little drop thing. You could put a neutral density filter in it. Mm-hmm. Almost like in the the larger lenses, your three hundred two point eights, you could you have that little slot, right? Like a almost like a token holder used yes. to be, yeah, yes. So so, so that was quite, uh, uh, I think, creative on their part. Another thing that the Canon does, it does something, and I haven't seen it uh, 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 an example on it yet. When you take off the lens. There's something that comes down and uh, I think it blocks the sensor. Mm. So when you're changing lenses out in a field, that makes it nice because of dust. Right. 
Because if uh, anybody who's going from a DSLR to a mirrorless, the first time you take that lens cap off, the sensor's right there. Right in front. Right in front. Right. And I was working on a, a image earlier this week that I was going to bring to our photo group. And when I opened it, it was like, oh, yeah, I remember that that, sh- that day I shot that. I had dust on when I changed the, because there's a big speck of dust. Right there. So th- that was creative and, and their part. Uh, and I think a good thing, so I think all these manufacturers came out with good ideas. Part The pieces of the puzzle are all there. They're just not in one platform. Yes. Yeah. And one thing that it would make everybody happy is having that camera that has all in one. Right. And it was funny because it seemed like Sony just took us a relief, like, you know. We're we're still in the game. Still in the game because they didn't really announce anything. And they're like, well, maybe what they had planned coming, they said, let's let's polish it more and not worry about coming out with that. Now, uh, Fuji did come out with the X-T3, which is, it's, it's a nice camera. I have the X-T1. And it has a good price point. It it's at fifteen hundred dollars, mm-hmm. and it has all this. I won't go into all the specs, but I kind of wanted to bring up the Fuji. Fuji kind of gets lost. At, they've been making great products, and I do like the camera because it's a camera I want to reach for. But sometimes having that prejudice in mind that many people say you you got to go full frame. Full frame is the way to go, and. Uh, Last night, I was at a show up in Fresno that I have uh, these photographs I, in this gallery. It's called the Nudes of November show up in Fresno at the Sorensen Gallery. And my friend Rudy won Best of Show. And he sh- the, the photograph he took was from an X-T2 mm-hmm. prop sensor. Right. Fantastic shot. And he had it, I think it was either at 16 by 20 or 16 by 24. It could have been 20 by 30. You go up to it, the details there. Uh, yeah, there's no difference. At there's that, no difference. At that size, no difference. There's no difference. But it was just one of those things that I kind of, it. a lot of people like to poo-poo uh, the crops, you know, the crop sense. Mostly marketing people. Yes. <laughs> and then Fuji came out with the GFX50R medium format mirrorless camera at a $4,500 price point. And I, I can see us carrying around the files and wheelbarrows. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny. I, I'm i switching over from the D700 to a D800. Right. Oh, what a transition in file size yes. for you. Yes. The first time I went out, it was like, I don't think, I think I had an eight gig card. <laughs> and I think I got... <laughs> I don't. I, I don't think I got twenty shots that's a 30, on that. That's thing. less than a thirty-six roll of film, right? Yeah. Back so in the day. it was like, wait a second, because <laughs> I I took the default off of a lossless compression bra. I was like, ah, I don't need lossless. I went back and activated yeah, that in the back of the camera, but it's a fifty-one point one megapixel body. And why I'm bringing this up, and I'm going to get more into it later. Uh, at that price point. And even the top of the line Sony, I think it's their A9. I can't remember what, what the price goes for. Fuji's doing something uh, interesting. So not, now, 
uh, medium format's not for everybody. But if you're going out and you're doing these landscapes, like our friend Larry Lewis, mm-hmm. this would be a great tool for him. Yes. The detail would be amazing. The detail would be amazing. Now, you're, you're right. You're going to have to have huge file cards. Yeah. Because when he stitches his photos together, well, you're stitching quite a few, you know, to make a great piece of work. But I thought, now, the, the one flip side, and, and I shot medium format before, is the frame rate speed. And my friend, Johnny, was talking to me about this. And I told him, it's, it's really not a big issue. What you use medium format for, you don't need 20 frames per second. No. There's no, I don't think. Why would you? The buffer, I don't think. No. It, with today's technology, you, you just can't hold that. So I, I think, and a lot of people that, have, and I could be also marking as, as we're getting, you know, these cameras. Oh, this one does one more frame a second than yours. Then you look at this one. What? It does three. It's made for something different. You see the. The technology that is driving these questions obscures one very important premise that you that I think is important to the conversation, and that is, what are you going to use the camera for? What what style of photography? How are you going to use this tool? And is this the best tool for you? And that's that really is where you should start. Is what what tool is best for me? Is it a medium format? Is it mirrorless? Is it DSLR? Is it an iPhone? What? And and sometimes we get into this gearhead mentality. Yes. And we talk about the numbers. And we talk about the you know all the the hype. The bottom line is, what are you using the tool for, and what's the end result? Exactly. Exactly. And uh, and knowing that you, you don't need a camera that if, if you're shooting a mountain, uh, funny story happened a year ago. I was out with a friend of mine, Ivan, we, we were, we were somewhere and he forgot he had his own continuous when you would press the shutter, click, 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 click. Yes. And he was shooting a mountain and I was standing next to him. And when he did that, he kind of stopped and he figured he was going to get flack. And I said, and I, uh, I told him, did you capture that mountain before it moved? Yes. Because you don't need that frame rate no, to, to shoot a mountain. Uh, maybe if you're bracketing, but you know, yeah. in today's, that's not even as big a deal as it used to be. So, so that was a lot. What, I, what I've seen, uh, these announcements intrigued me. Then Canon, of course, came out with theirs. But I think, to be fair to Canon, it's more properly priced. It's probably the same sensor as the their uh, was it the five D Mark Four, but the five D Mark Four it they're not in the same ballpark. And the thing that surprised me about Canon, it didn't put image stabilization in the camera. Everyone else does. Yes, right. And it's one of those. And they things, only have one slot. And they have one <laughs> slot. And the thing is, they came out with this behemoth fifty millimeter lens. Oh. With no image stabilization in it. I know it. So it's like, okay, was it going to cost a little bit more? Is Was that a cost issue? And a lot of people will tell me, you, you don't need image stabilization in all these cameras, uh, the sensor. And yeah, it makes it, adds probably adds more, adds maybe more bulk. But I think we're to the point 
where the consumer, how are you being marketed? You're going to want it even though if you don't use it. Right. So it becomes almost a mute point. It's like, well, you don't really need it. It's like, no, but I want it because want that it. camera has it and I paid the same price. So there, you know what I mean? Right. Well, between every, all things being equal, you'll take the one with more features. Exactly. Exactly. It's like, it's like days buying computer, even cars. Exactly. What am I going to get bang for the buck? So, the, but it has the flippy screen and I'm thinking the vloggers are going to like it. And I'm, I'm thinking, okay. Uh, yeah. Shooting from the waist. I, I look at it. How come vloggers aren't just using cell phones, smartphones? To, to do Some it? are. Yeah. I mean, but again, that's one of those things. Everybody wants a flippy screen too. I got the articulated screen. Yes. So I thought that was kind of uh, interesting that Canon announced. Uh, also, they, their lenses are a bit more. And one of the things I, I see is they added more features in the lens. Not, not so much of uh, uh, autofocus or, or uh, blazing speeds. They're all fast. They added uh, where you could program the lens for certain things. So you could program it to where it will, the ring would be the aperture ring. So they, they added some features in the lens, probably, you know, not seen before. Cause you usually have an aperture ring, but they make it where you, it could be something else, which at first I couldn't grasp my brain around it. It's like, okay. And then I saw some demos. So it's like, okay, that makes more sense. Like a smart lens, like a, like yes. a smart TV, a smart lens. Because, uh, interesting enough, I, I, I'm trying to see why the price jump. Their 50 millimeter uh, 1.2, it's this the new one, the RF, versus their old EOS mount lens. It's almost doubled the price. I, I, I noticed that. And what do you get? An extra pound? Yes. <laughs> basically, yes. Uh, and so I'm trying to grasp. And they didn't put image stabilization, maybe because there's so much already in the lens, it would make it. Now, for 50 millimeter, you probably don't need it. But here's the interesting thing. So I wrote the specs of their uh, 35 millimeter. I guess it also does macro, mm-hmm. but it has image stabilization in it. 35 millimeter. The 35. And so does their regular EOS one. That, and I don't know if it's because it's also a macro lens. Now, that would make sense if it was macro lens. But then I started thinking, if you had image stabilization in body for a 30 millimeter or a 35 millimeter lens, I don't think you would need it in the the lens. You would just use it on the sensor. And you'd be putting that on a, if you're doing macro, you'd ideally put it on a tripod. A tripod. Which would, you'd want to disable your image stabilization because sometimes when you, as you know, when you put that uh, image stabilization or a vibration reduction in Nikon's terms, it'll actually start hunting or looking for mm-hmm. vibration, and in that act will create vibration on a tripod. Exactly. And uh, again, now on mirrorless cameras, uh, and I know Sony had this, uh, and I think Fuji, they only put in body the lens stabilization on their longer lenses Mm -hmm. because that's where the in body is not going to really do any good. 
And I think that it's the the cameras are set up so when you put a longer, it disables the in body and uses it on the lens. Like yes. for instance, you had a two hundred or three hundred, right, right, something right. like that. But on a thirty five millimeter, I just kind of scratched my head. Maybe there's there's a reason for I, it. I'm scratching my head right now, trying to think of a reason. Can't come up with it. So I I can't really you know it's like okay, so then I just got. The 35 of both Nikon and Canon, because we're talking about if we're, if we're going to be switching to to uh, mirrorless. Mirrorless, yes. So these are the mirrorless uh, uh, lenses. So on the 35 millimeter, the Nikon is eight hundred and forty six dollars. The Nike, uh, the Canon is four hundred and ninety nine. You go down, it looks like both of them have eleven elements, nine groups, blah blah blah. So why the price difference? I I I'm kind of curious why Nikon is is a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Then I I looked at uh, uh, also the weight versus the their own counterpart in the DSLR wor- world, and so on the Nikon, their 35 millimeter 1.8 goes for five hundred twenty six dollars ninety five cents. Uh, looks like the same formula. It's a little lighter. And, you know, uh, so that kind of got me, you know, okay, you, what did they put in that? Is it the motors that run? Because now these lenses, uh, a lot of them are what's called focused by wire. And in a nutshell, people don't know, when you mechanically turn a lens, how it protrudes out as it, Yes, travels. Mm-hmm. Now it's it's a electronic signal being sent to the lens. It's basically it's electronically moving the elements back and forth. Because I could show you my Fuji afterwards. I could put on manual focus mode and I could twist and twist and twist. All it's doing is sending a electronic signal, to, not a, not a mechanical signal. Right? Yes. But, yeah. So I'm thinking maybe that's why. And I I know. Uh, a lot of these companies are now putting different motors in them to make them faster. I, I assume that's that's probably a speed thing. And on the Canon, it kind of surprised me because for four ninety nine, then you go to their counterpart on their EOS line uh, for the DSLR, it's five forty nine. So it's like fifty bucks more, and it's like okay, well. That makes sense. You made something new and cheaper, but I I just can't wrap my brain around it. Now, when we get to the 50 millimeters, this is interesting. The Nike, the current Nikon, uh, and and I I went to the 1.8. I didn't go to the 1.4. I'm comparing 1. apples to apples. Right, right. It's 216 dollars versus uh, 596. And what are we getting? We're getting. Uh, the, the new one is 12 elements, nine groups, and it's coming in at uh, 14.64 ounces. And the regular 1.8 on the DSLR is 6.53 ounces. So you're, you're getting a little bit more glass and weight. Now, I'm not an optical engineer, mm-hmm. but more glass, are they trying to make all the corners sharper? Right getting rid of every uh hey you know the haloing the what do you call that the uh the purple fringing and right on all of that 
All the chromatic aberration. Chromatic, there right. you go. That's the word I was looking for. So it's like, well, and in doing so, if you're going with a heavier lens, then that myth the that myth. they say that uh, the mirrorless is is the size and weight. The size, yes. The mirrorless cameras are smaller. That is true. The bodies. The bodies. But your the lenses in, in an earlier show I did this year where I was griping about uh, how Sony was making these G Master lenses. They're huge. Mm-hmm. Without the tripod collars. Without the tripod collars. So, you know, let me let me jump in here because I, I did some research on my, my own because I, I really do think that one of the arguments in favor that has been put forward to switch to mirrorless is they're smaller, they're lighter, therefore they make a better travel camera. Uh, they're less conspicuous when you're traveling. They ironically don't look quite as professional as a modern DSLR. So maybe you wouldn't be a target for uh, theft. All right. Well, so I looked at those and I, I looked at the, uh, the Nikon Z7, the Sony AR, uh, AR73 and then the Canon EOS R. And I got a 2470 uh, lens for them. And then I compared three co- comparable DSLR models for each. And what I, I was surprised to learn that the weight was uh, a little bit in favor of the mirrorless cameras. Uh, by uh, the combination between the Sony's, it was about three ounces less. And for the Canon, it was about three and a half ounces less. So it's not a, you know, a huge amount, but, you know, weight matters when you're traveling, especially when you're backpacking, for example. But what was interesting is the dimensions, the length from the back of the camera to the front of the lens cap. Uh, some of the DSLRs were shorter yes. than their their counterparts. For example, a Sony Alpha A77 with a 24 70 millimeter is actually shorter than the AR uh, with the 24 70 uh, mirrorless. So the the size isn't necessarily any bit. And and for those the mirrorless that are actually shorter. It's less than a quarter of an inch in some cases. In fact, uh, the difference between the Nikon Z7 and, say, a Nikon D750 is less than 20 millimeters. So that's not a big um, a big savings. So the, the myth is when you compare the camera bodies, yes. But if you want to use, and then that's further exacerbated by the fact that if you have F-mount, lenses that you want to use on your Z mount Nikon Z7, you've got to have an adapter. Right. Well, that adds a uh, uh, hundred or 70 more millimeters. And right there, you've lost everything in terms of your length savings. If you, if there were, were any, so there's a little bit of weight savings. And, you know, I suspect that the DSLR manufacturers could shave off an ounce or two from their, bodies from their, their, their DSLR bodies. And that would require, you know, a significant retooling. They probably won't do that. So right. I, I think it is a bit of a myth. Yeah. And, and it's, then that's when I jump over to the Canon 50 millimeter 1.2, this is really where it surprised me. So 
the current this RF is it's uh, twenty basically twenty three hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. You go to the current uh, DSLR EOS, uh, it's what was it? It's uh, thirteen forty nine. Wow, and it's the the EOS one the the regular DSLR. It's one point two eight pounds. That's what the okay. And I looked at the optical formula. It has eight elements and six groups, 72 uh, millimeter thread. And it's a beast of a lens. But now the mirrorless one, it's 2.9 pounds. And it's like, wow, it's, and it's, it's a beast. It's longer. It, it just went to a 77 millimeter thread, but it's got 15 elements, nine groups. And I'm scratching my head for 50 millimeter. You have 15 pieces of glass in there. That's that's more weight than the 2470. Yeah. So it, it either has to be a fantastic lens. And there's one thing I've, I've been uh, experimenting, experimenting with for the last two years. I have... Uh, been shooting with older Nikon, um, the AI and AIS lenses. One of the reasons why it has less glass. Uh, for instance, my 135 millimeter uh, 3.5, which I use to shoot black and white because I get a better micro contrast from it, mm. has four elements. That's it. That's it. And you could say, well, your corners are probably not as sharp. But for the subject matter I'm shooting, I don't need the corner shot. If you're shooting a portrait, that's kind of, yeah. Yeah, not important. Again, it goes back to what are you using the tool for? So many uh, photographers, aspiring photographers, get caught up in the marketing hype. And they, you know, they want that. Basically, they're led to believe that if your gear is better, you'll take better pictures. And that's not necessarily so, is it? No, no, it's not. And, and I think this comes down to another reason that uh, the mirrorless, they're saying they can get faster glass. And that's probably why Canon came out with this because they also came out. I didn't write it down the 28 to 70 F2, which I guess it's currently the fastest uh, zoom in that uh, category. Yeah. category. And so it's uh and it's also three thousand dollars and I priced their their twenty four that they, they came out for the DSLR twenty I think it was sixteen hundred. So you're paying almost double now. Now you can still buy that sixteen hundred dollar Canon uh the DSLR and use it with that adapter and it'll probably just work just as great. But it's like well Wow, three thousand dollars! And again, it is F two. It's probably got more things, but the price point for a pro, it's it's well, you know, if you're shooting, if you're a wedding photographer, you need two of those now, right? You know, uh, yes. So I, I'm kind of looking at the, the format, what how they're making these lenses. It's I'm scratching my head. So then, for for giggles, I I look, I went to find. The closest Sony uh, counterpart, which is the Sony Planar T Star, it has to be Zeiss for the price too. It's a fifty-one point four ZA. It's about fifteen hundred dollars, mm-hmm. 
It's 1.71 pounds. And it, it does, it does have 11 rounded blades. So you probably get nice creamy bokeh and everything from it. But, uh, I'm looking at it again, the weight versus when, when you would buy your first, uh, uh, SLR back in the days of usually the 50 millimeter lens was something they would throw in it. and you had this almost small <laughs> lens in front of it is a right. 50 millimeter it was almost embarrassing yeah now it's like these 50 millimeters like they're on steroids so if you're out and about and let's say you're with that Canon uh, and you got that 50 millimeter 1.2 it's like yeah. gee are you really that inconspicuous you're going to be a street photographer with this huge lens so it boils down to uh, personal preference and, and how you're using your gear. Yeah. Is, is mirrorless the future? Will it replace DSLRs? Uh, sales figure wise, I think uh, in Japan, mirrorless will exceed DSLRs this year. But uh, I don't think that's true in the United States yet. I think that those lines are converging in the next couple of years. Mirrorless will outsell uh, probably the, the DSLR lines, but I don't think the, I really don't think the DSLR is dead because I think it's not DSLR or mirrorless. I think it's DSLR and mirrorless for the foreseeable future. Yeah. I, I, the only thing I could see happening is let's, let's use Nikon. Are they going to come out with a D 50 S? You know, you know, they usually use S uh, or like, I think that's the letter they use yes. when, when they update. Right. Like the 700 S, the 300 S. Right. Uh, yeah. So if they do make one, could that be the last? The last DSLR? That in that range that Nikon makes, if they see the market, the sales switching. And the reason I say that, uh, years ago when I bought my Nikon F100, okay, F was, this was for film. Right. And it was a great uh, SLR. I almost said DSLR. No, it was an SLR. Right. But that was their last one in that range. And the, the F5 was the last flagship mm-hmm. of the film. And they had it. They never updated. Then you started seeing the D, which was they came out of the D one hundred, I think a D one X or something yes. like that. Uh, right. So I'm wondering, will I see that again with the D with the DSLR? Are they slowly going to st- stop? Because the funny thing is, uh, Sony still makes their regular. DSLR, but you never hear about it. Right. Like the, well, the, the one I compared it to the, the, uh, alpha a 77 that's, they just re-released or upgraded that. It's a very capable DSLR. So I, I think we may see those numbers. Maybe Nikon will do the D five S and maybe see, do they want to do a D six in the future? So, you know, what I think is going to happen if I were to look at my little crystal ball and, and if you were to take that uh, vision and a couple dollars or four dollars now, you could go buy a latte at the, your, your favorite coffee shop. But uh, there's a convergence happening between video and photography. Yes. 
So mirrorless and DSLR are are moving in the same direction towards high frame rates and being able to capture a continuous stream of information and then using computational power of, of, a, of a, to extract a single frame in the same quality as we do now and be able to manipulate that in the near future that's what's going to happen. We won't have uh, still cameras anymore or cameras that take single uh, images. Everything will be a video camera. Yeah. And I think by then this argument will be invalid. I'll right. be talking about the good old days when you could press the shutter and acquire one image. Right. Right. And I, I did look up something. Now, one thing I, I will say, uh, if, if anybody hasn't uh, experienced focus peaking works well on mirrorless cameras. So I use, I adapt a lot of my Nikon glass to my little Fuji here and I use that and I could, and it helps you autofocus, uh, autofocus. It helps Ma- you fo- manual, manually focus. Right, right. Yes. It's not auto yet. It, even the camera is helping me. But on my Nikons, I do have focus assist, which it's trying to do it by certain con- it does help it does work but I, i'll i'll give that to the mirrorless that focus peaking is great yes and supposedly the auto focus for video on on the uh mirrorless works great and i think i don't know if the z7 if the focus points go to the complete edge or nearly nearly yes and i think the sony like a9 the, does like, like the 850 yes. yeah so I think uh, the face detection and those things, the, uh, the face, there's uh, there's too many, there's face detection and face, I think they call it, uh, they're getting too many phases in fancy uh, auto-focusing terms. I would say for the mirrorless, yeah, or it seems like that's where they're putting more and more of the effort into. Well, there's a, going back to the weight and size uh we talked about some of those advantages, you know, the, the obvious advantage of travel. But there's a flip side to that conversation is that uh, I I favor personally, my work style is I actually favor a slightly heavier body ergonomically for my hands. And I prefer that when I have it up there on a tripod, I, it, it just maybe I'm imagining it, but it seems to be a steadier platform. In fact, uh, wasn't it Ansel Adams that uh, famously said or answered the question, uh, what camera do you take out in the field? And he said, the biggest one I can carry. And he was referring to weight and the size of the image he was able to acquire because he was, but part of that weight is uh, to avoid the vibration of the wind and the elements. And when you have a smaller camera body, uh, so ergonomics come into the play and I think that the, the the hype around the weight and the size is not really panning out to be the the great uh, right advantage that everyone thought it was. And I I do prefer a, a slightly bulkier camera. I think so too. And also, I think that's I'll I'll, I'll give it to. And everybody says the the Z seven and, and the Z six is basically the same. I think the Z seven is the only one that's shipping right now. That Nikon did a good job with the ergonomics and the balancing with the lenses even though they're longer there's a good balance yes so everybody's saying that that and i think nikon does a good job at that and because if not i have held 
uh, I think it was the Sony a7 II with the G Master 85 millimeter 1.4. And it was just like, wow. I mean, this thing, you know, it's the top heavy, you know, it's or front yeah. heavy, I should say. Right. Other things, yeah, you can preview your uh, exposure on the fly. It's, but here's something to think about. <laughs> this happened to me Monday night. I was doing a shoot. Mm-hmm. So I figured, well, you know, I have a shot to Fuji in a while. I'm going to go grab it and do some shots. Because of it, it's an EF, EF, I can't talk this morning. I, had, I didn't have coffee. The, <laughs> the electronic viewfinder. Right. EVF. EVF, right. When you're shooting in a photo studio setting mm-hmm. and you set your uh, exposure manually, mm-hmm. it was uh, one... 185th of a second at f5.6 well guess what you go look at that screen it's black you have to go and i forgot and i was just like well screw it so i was shooting so i figured the camera's hitting something so i would see the image okay it did get it did get focused but you can't see because you have to go in there and you have to go turn something off in your ef uh evf settings Mm -hmm. if not it's trying to look for light. Right. Because you're you're giving it this manual exposure. It's like, hey, it's dark in here. Right. So that is a frustration because on the fly, I wasn't going to go and go Google, how the heck do I turn this off? Because I couldn't remember. Right. So that was a bit of a frustration. And I, I will have to say, I do have a prejudice. I've always liked the optical viewfinder. I, me too. And probably for most new generation <laughs> photographers, they who grew up with the smartphone, they probably don't care. They don't care. It's it's no big deal. It's no big deal to them. So before we leave, uh, um, there's a couple firmware updates for Nikons that just came out uh, that are important, uh, including the, the Z7. Uh, on the 25th of October, they updated their firmware to 1.01. The, the, the new Nikon 850 also had a recent update firmware. Uh, and uh, the wireless receiver, the WR1, all have firmware up there, updates. So uh, make sure you check that out. And it's always good to update your firmware. Now, uh, I guess the biggest advantage, and I wrote this down, I was looking up things for uh, mirrorless cameras right now. I, I guess you could make the argument for is future-proofing your investment. Mm-hmm. I, I guess that's something to look at. Now, I did go and I priced out some stuff. So I priced off the Nikon Z7 mirrorless because this is just my, if, if I'm going to stick with Nikon, with the 24 to 70 kit lens. And it comes with the FTZ adapter. It's $4,100, about $4,150 close. That's to. an F4 2470 kit lens. Yes. Because they don't, the 2.8 is not out yet. It's not out. Right. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, with just, Without the adapter, it's thirty nine ninety six, and then the body alone came out to three thousand three hundred ninety six dollars. So that's uh, and the D eight fifty is thirty two ninety, so thirty three. So it's it's a hundred about a hundred bucks, almost hundred bucks. Yeah, it's, it is a hundred bucks more than the D eight fifty, but the D eight fifty has so much more, Capable, so much more. Right. Yeah. And if I were just to buy the 50 millimeter 1.8, well, that that would bring up the price to about 
4243 $4, okay so then this is this is me this is my interest here i looked at the gf uh gfx 50r fuji medium format because i would for the type of shooting i wouldn't mind getting it because I, I don't shoot sports for what i do more fine art now and i'm trying to get back into doing landscapes it's a $4,500 body only. Mm-hmm. So I look at that. Okay, that's the body only. But right now they're having these promotions and the the lens I would look at would be their 45 millimeter lens, which is equivalent to a 30, uh, it's in, in full frame, it's 35 millimeter. It's 5100 about $5,200. They have these rebates going right now. So if if I were to pay a lot more for a first generation Nikon mirrorless, and if I want to go back to to full frame, um, full frame medium format, the Fuji's very appealing to me. That's a good entry level medium format price. Yes, and you could also adapt lenses to them. You go to eBay and find great old uh, medium format lenses. You could actually find them cheaper. Uh, on uh, eBay than some current 35 millimeter lenses. And at the prices for $3,000 for uh, 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 the 1.2 Canon is just like, that's quite high, you know? And uh, I think the, the Fuji 45 millimeter 2.8 lens alone, that's the medium format is 1399. So it's hard to believe that we've come to a point where your medium format lens. Now it's true; it's not the same specs at the speed, but still, that's quite a bit uh, in price. Then I priced out the Sony A7 III mirrorless, not the R. I did the R also. It's about two thousand dollars. That's not a bad point. The R is coming in at about thirty-two hundred dollars. Now, the one thing I want, why I'm bringing up the Sony now, if you don't mind getting an older generation camera, you can find the A7 about for $800. So I I could see that being a, a nice price point because right now, I think with DSLRs, you could find... I think an entry level DSLR for about five hundred. Exactly, right. And there's not very many, unless you go crop sensor. There's not very many appealing uh, mirrorless cameras at that come with these kits that are that price point. Right. And they're not to say they will not be. And then you know, now I wanted to bring up the Fuji again because if you don't mind the crop factor, the XT three that's. $1,500 and that's a packed lens, uh, lens, uh, system. The Fuji system is good. The X-T3 is good. The X, X-Pro3 will probably be coming out. And what the X-Pro series is, the, uh, viewfinder is a hybrid. It's both optical and electronic. And again, that's me being, I like the optical Old again, school, right. because me too. that's what I grew up with. Right. Me too. So, in a nutshell, I, I guess if it's the future, 
I, there's just certain things that to me need to happen. The, the competitive more in price. And again, if you're going to be making these monster lenses that I have to use that, you know, I'm going to need a whole new camera bag to put these things in. Isn't that so true? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, again, it, it, it's probably my gripe. I, I'm trying to look at the price for performance and also if you're a pro, that's something to consider. It's a big bite to, to chew. And that, and that's what's uh, stopping a lot of people from switching. And again, the cost benefit is not obvious to, to me right now to make that switch. Yeah. It's, I, it, it's the same thing for me. Cause other than I killed two lenses this year, right now I have the incentive to switch, but I, I want to make a smart choice on which system do I go maybe with the X-T3 since I already have the X-T1 and one lens. I've been eyeing some other ones and I could adapt my Nikon lenses to, or making the bigger leap into medium format, which I would love because the Z7 as it sits I think if Nikon were to price it around $2,500 or something like that, I think they really, you know. They'd have a winner. Well, they can't keep it on the shelf as it is right now. Yeah, yeah. It's like Nikon Shem- saying. Here we are. Yeah, oh, come on. They, we're they, laughing to the bank. They're getting, they're getting their money. Yes. So, okay. I think that was a great uh, uh, conversation we had today. Yeah. Uh, where can we find you? Well, you can uh, find me online at www.brightangelimages.com. Um, drop me a line, brightangelimages at, uh, at, or info at brightangelimages.com. Uh, or you can look me up on Facebook, same Bright Angel Images, or on Instagram, brightangels underscore images. Great. You can still find me at obeliststudios.com. And on Instagram, Tony Avila 64 And we do have a Facebook group for Aperture Priority. Uh, feel free to leave us uh, feedback there. And let's leave off to open up that Aperture and let some of that creative light in. Priority is an Avila Studios production. For more information on what Avila Studios has to offer, please visit us on the World Wide Web at avilastudios.com.